If you have your Bibles, if you would, be opening them up to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. You know, we started last week to talk about Jesus' preparing of His disciples for His crucifixion, preparing them for a time that He would not be there anymore. You know, I suppose all of us, as we think about making preparations for when we won't be here, we, we think about certain specifics that we need, we need to communicate to our, to our children or to our family or to people that will be left behind. And, and Jesus is trying to do that. But as I was reading this passage, as it continues on, we're also trying to prepare people for what they will be. You know, we've talked over the last couple Sundays, maybe last month and this morning, about saving our boys and saving our girls. And, and really, those lessons have been about what sort of a person is this going to be? What sort of a man is this going to be? What sort of a, a lady is this going to be? And Jesus understood that when, when He wasn't there, there was a character that needed to be present in the disciples if they were to be successful. Maybe I should rephrase that. There was a character that needed to be present in the disciples if they were going to reflect His image and carry on His mission. And I think we could say the same thing for our children as they grow today, but we could say the same thing about the church today. That there is a certain character that needs to be present, and when it is present, it will impact everything else that we do. But when it's not present, it will destroy almost everything that we do. So Jesus is, is preparing His disciples for this, and, and He's paid a visit. Now, the, 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 the discussion that's going to go on here, I want us to, be, I want us to challenge ourselves and not, just, and not just think that we're reading about a conversation that took place a long time ago between some people that we've never met. It is that. But I want us to do the hard work of actually saying, where do I find myself in this interaction? And being, if you will, be painfully honest with where we find ourselves and what we ought to learn from what they needed to learn. So, so Jesus is going along with His disciples, and we come to verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Him with her sons, kneeling down, asking something from Him. I, I try to picture what this would be like outside of, uh, outside of teenagers, right? I mean, it, it's not uncommon for, you know, for a parent to go and, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask on behalf of my son, I'm going to ask on behalf of my daughter, but, but we're talking about grown men here. Could, could you imagine what it would be like, um, Thomas, if, if, you know, tomorrow... Uh, Miss Betty walks into Valdosta High School and says, I'd like to speak to the principal, please. I'd like to talk to you about my son. Jonathan thinks that'd be pretty funny if that happened, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, it'd just be kind of weird, wouldn't it? But, but that's essentially what's going on here. Where, where their mother, M Mrs. Zebedee, right? I've heard her called that because we don't have her name. But, but their mother comes, and, and we all know how mothers feel about their sons, Right? 
I mean, you, they, 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 I mean, you hope they think that their son is the best. Uh, well, she thinks her sons are the best. And so she goes to Jesus and, you know, there's just something I want to ask you. Well, I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a reasonable thing. If the mother of someone that you love comes, someone that you're, that you're working with and you respect and you're fighting side by side, I mean, you would listen to that. I mean, I, I would hope, right? Um, I would hope that if my mother called one of you and said, you know, there's something I'd really like to ask you. I mean, I would just hope that you would say, well, I mean, tell me what you want. I mean, I, I, I want to hear that out. I want to know that, right? Joe, would you listen to my mom? Sure. I mean, that, so Jesus says, tell me, tell me what you want. He said to her, verse 21, what do you wish? Grant that these two sons of mine shall sit, one on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now, now take it aside that, that they, they truly didn't understand the nature of the kingdom, right? And probably thinking more fleshly than we would think about the kingdom. But, but even that being set aside, what was she asking for? I want my sons to be at the top. I want them to, in some sense, be over everyone else. Now, to be in the kingdom, that's a good thing. We all want to be in the kingdom, right? We all want to go to heaven. But, but if you could put my sons above the rest... I really think that would be a good idea. You can, you can look, I could try to quantify this in some ways, or, or I could just share anecdotes with you, but you know, throughout the years, there's been a lot of division in the church. Is that true? I mean, if you've been around, you've seen a lot of division. This congregation has seen its share of division. What, what, what do you think usually causes division in the church? Sometimes, sometimes doctrinal things cause division, don't they? I mean, that, that, that really does happen. I've seen that, right, where people have to go separate ways because they believe different things and, they, and they're, they're willing or not willing to stand on certain things. That, that, that does happen. Can I tell you that that's usually a rare thing? Now, I know it happens, but that's usually a rare thing that causes division. Sometimes there is division that comes about uh, because people are strategically plan, planning, right? That we're going to take a group of people from here and we're going to go and we're going to plant another congregation on the other side of Valdosta. So sometimes that happens, right? That, that, that's, that's sort of what happened uh, when the church of Antioch sent out, sent out Paul and Silas, and, and, and right? I mean, these people went from one place to go and establish a church somewhere. We, we call it mission work, but, but that, that can happen in a local sense. Every once in a while that happens. We could give lots of examples of that. I would tell you anecdotally, most division, the majority of division that your preacher has witnessed in his life, now sometimes it's framed in a different way, but at the root of a great deal of it, you know what the problem is? Pride. People. Right? This age-old conversation, who is going to be the greatest? Who is going to get their way? And what they were asking was, 
We want to be in the kingdom. We want to be with Jesus with everyone else. But we want to have some special place of power or authority or position. Not even really understanding what they were asking for. I just know whatever it is, I want to be at the top. That's what she was asking Jesus for. You know, that idea that I want my way or I want to call the shots. I want to be on the team, but, but I want to be the captain of the team. Now, th- this is where we walk a very thin line of, of, of having spiritual ambition. Actually, one of our themes, one of our themes for, for a month next year is going to be about having holy ambition. And really, I'm actually quite looking forward to that month because I think that's a really important thing for us to talk about. What does it mean to have holy ambition? Uh, when Paul is writing, is writing to Timothy and the church at Ephesus, he's writing about, about elders, and you, you remember what he says? If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. To say, this is something that I want to do. This is something that I want to be. As a matter of fact, it's probably a problem when we don't have some of that holy ambition, some of those desires, right? But, but what does that mean? See, I don't think what Paul is saying is that you ought to desire to be the one who tells other people what to do. And if you think that's what it means, then you're probably not qualified for what he's talking about in the first place. But for most people, that's what authority means. Isn't it? To be the one in authority means that I'm the one who gets to tell other people what to do. I'm the boss. I get to make the decisions. You'll come and you'll talk to me about these things. And I'll give you a thumbs up or I'll give you a thumbs down. That's how most people in the world see authority. The problem becomes when we take that same mindset that we, that we live with, we live with on our jobs. We, we live with in, in, our, in our social interaction. We, we, we live with all over, the, all over the world. And we take that same mentality and we apply it to the church. And Jesus is going to tell them the church is supposed to be different. Now, the church is not always different. But when the church is not different, it's because we're not being what Christ was or what He expects us to be. So, we want to be the ones who are on your right and on your left. Jesus answers and He says to them, You do not know what you ask. Like, I'm hearing what you're saying, and I know why you're asking that, but when you say that, I'm telling you there's a whole lot that goes along with this that you don't have the first idea about. And if you did, you wouldn't be asking for this. You ever, you ever had people say to you, and I think you could apply this to a whole lot of different situations, boy, it sure would be nice to have your job. Anybody ever said that to you? And you thought, if you only knew. Right? Because what, what, what are they typically seeing? They're seeing all the good things, all the perks. Right? And probably almost all of our jobs have, have some perks here and there. Right? Everybody shake your head up and down. If not, get a new job. Okay? So, so th- this idea of th- there are some benefits, um, you know, whatever. Um, if you, well, I won't, I won't even go there. Just, just to say that, 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 that that's, that's a reality. But when they say that, you, you automatically think, 
oh, you're thinking of the good stuff. You don't know about the bad stuff. Everybody, we've, we've had those thoughts? I mean, you can even say it, you can even say it to, to, to people in school. Boy, it sure would be nice to be back in school again, right? How many of you guys want to write a 10-page paper before next Friday? Right? I mean, no thank you, right? But I mean, but we, we just do that. And that's, that's what Jesus is trying to say is, I know what you're asking for. You're asking to be at the top of the pyramid. You don't know what comes along with that authority. Because what's going to come along with that authority is a great deal of responsibility, a great deal of commitment. You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now, they're probably hearing these words. And you know what they're, well, you know what they're thinking. They said to him, we are able. Yeah, 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 I got it, got it. You, you, you try to explain to someone the downside of whatever, of whatever position you have, but they don't want to hear that. Okay, I, I'm sure, I'm sure I can handle it. But it, let's, let's move along, all right? I'm sure, I mean, the, the good outweighs the bad, so on, so forth. Put me, on the, put, put me in power. Put me, put me in the position of authority. They probably heard those words, and, 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 and the Bible doesn't tell us, but I've often wondered about what they thought about this scene looking back. See, because they don't really know what's about to happen. I know Jesus told them he's going to die, right? We saw that, we saw that in, in the previous verses. I know he's told them that, but, but to really understand crucifixion, what's going to happen in Jerusalem. The, the, the one who probably more, more than likely has a good understanding of, of what it is is probably Peter, the one who objected, right? But even still yet, to, to know what's about to transpire, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be something that, that no man, we could say, is capable of, and that would be accurate, but what's about to happen to Jesus is something that no man would want to endure, whether we talk about the, the physical part of the cross or the, or the spiritual suffering, which I think is the, the far deeper suffering that's going to go on at the cross. We, we know that, but they don't know that at this point. You remember? It, it's so intense that Jesus sits there. Sit is probably not, not, not the best word. He, he lays there with his face on the ground in the garden, and he begs and pleads. The, the Hebrew writer says with loud wailing, right? It's, it's intense. It's not one of these, dear Heavenly Father, that, that, that's not what goes on in the garden. It, there, there's no formality here. There's desperation. You remember what he says? If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Even Jesus is saying, Lord, if there is any other way, let's do that. And they're saying, you put us on your right, or put, us on, put us on the right, or put us on the left. And Jesus says, hey, are you really able to drink this cup? Are you really able to do the things that you're signing up for? I don't think you know what you're asking for. Oh, yeah, Lord, we know, we know what, 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 what we're doing. We've got great confidence here. Peter says, Peter says, hey, I'll die. I'm willing to die for the cause of Christ. We're about to come to a place where they won't even stay awake for the cause of Christ. We're about to come to a place that every one of them runs and hides for fear 
that what's happening to Jesus is going to happen to them. Do you read that back in there? Oh yeah, Lord, we're able. And he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those to whom it is prepared by my Father. You know, the truth is, you're going to die for your faith. The Bible doesn't tell us about all the apostles, but the vast majority throughout, throughout the traditions of history find find the apostles being martyred for their faith. Not just telling people about their faith, but dying because of their faith. Many times in very unpleasant ways. Jesus knew that. They, they didn't understand that. Jesus talks to someone and He already knows their future. often wondered how that would have changed conversations. If you know something about someone else and they don't know it. Truth is, you're going to drink this cup. But, but your question about being on my right hand and my left hand, it, it's almost ironic because we know when we read the book of Acts that, that these, these apostles, they're going to already have some special place in the judgment. I've told you guys before, I, I'm fascinated by that. I don't even know what that means. Okay? I, I, I struggle with, with, with the meaning there. Chance may that be a good sermon for you to preach sometime. Explain that to me. But, but they already were going to have some special place. Some special place in the judgment that, that I don't have and that you don't have. So they're already in some ways elevated, but not enough. Put me on, I want to be your right-hand man. I want to be number one, right? I want to be the one who, who has the power and the authority. And Jesus says, that's not up to me. That's not up to me. That's, that's for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. Go over in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. You, you, you know these verses. Ephesians 4 is not, just, is not just a passage that has the seven ones in it, but it's a passage where Jesus talks about the church. And, and there, there in Ephesians 4 and verse 11. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. And He Himself gave some to be apostles. Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What, 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 is, he, what is he saying? That promotion and authority. Listen, God's the one that's going to make those choices. God's the one that's going to elevate as he, will, as he will raise up and He will bring down even amongst nations and kings and presidents. That God has some hand in those things, even in the church. I want to be on your right side. I want, I want to be the man in charge. You may or may not. The Lord will decide that. There have been times in my life when, when I've, I've wanted a position. Anybody ever wanted a position? Most of you have never found yourself in, the, in this very unique uh, spot, some of you have, of going to a group of God's people and you show up and you're basically saying, I would like for you to put me in one of the most influential spiritual positions in your entire congregation. 
We call it a preacher tryout. But it's, it's a really humbling and arrogant thing at the same time, chance, right? I mean, this is, I mean, to, to, to ask, this is, this is what I'm asking you to do. I've had those moments, right? I've, I've had moments when I've been in positions of power and authority, and there were other people who quite wanted the position that I was in. I mean, this is the natural process, right? I mean, I've been to places like I'd like to have his job, or I'd like this. This those things happen amongst amongst men. We 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 all you've all done that, right? Well, Jesus says, "Listen, this is this is about God. This is about the things that the positions that the Father will put you in." I remember a season when when we were having trouble, uh, been out of work for quite some time. I know I've shared this before, but I just thought about this when I was reading through this, and I was really struggling with, so why, why am I not at this church? Because I can tell you that in my mind, I figured out and many times in my life, I thought that we would um, live in Mississippi for a good while. Never, didn't work, didn't happen. Thought that we would live in Kentucky for a good while, didn't happen. Thought that we would live in uh, Missouri for a good while, didn't happen. Now, I had all these reasons why this should have happened, right? My own pride explaining why I'm the obvious choice for this type of position. And, and I, remember, I remember the conversations I was having with my wife, and she would say, if it doesn't happen, it's okay. And I, what do you mean? It's, it's not okay. If it doesn't happen, right, I got a problem. She said, if it doesn't happen, it's okay. If it doesn't happen, it's not God's will for it to happen. No, I hated that statement right? Because I knew why. I mean, I had every, this is why it should happen. But, but to understand, listen, it didn't happen. It wasn't God's will for it to happen. And I can see in retrospect, I struggled in the moment. Maybe you'll be elevated to be at the right hand or the left hand. Maybe you'll have great power. Maybe you'll have great authority. Maybe you'll have great influence. If the Lord desires that to happen, it will happen. Do we, do we believe that? I think that's what Jesus is saying here. It's really not up to me. You're coming to me. I'm just telling you it's up to the Father. It's up to God's will. When they had heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. So there's not only this dy dynamic of, of, of the individuals that are coming to ask for this position bringing their mother along, which is a strange sort of play there, but then everybody else begins to hear it. You remember what I said about a lot of division comes simply because of the subject of pride? Who's going to be the greatest? Because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're not a team anymore. All of a sudden, we're establishing a hierarchy that we have in almost every other arena of our life. But we're establishing a hierarchy Where all of a sudden I find out, hey, you know what? Don't pick on you, Thomas. You always, always pick on you. All of a sudden I find out that, that Taylor actually wants to be the one to tell me what to do. That was a bad look I gave him, right? But I, why should he tell me what to do? Or all of a sudden Taylor finds out that, that, that I want to tell him what to do. Give me a bad look. Okay, that's good. But, but, why should, why, I mean, it, it causes conflict, doesn't it? This is what happens among, amongst the twelve, amongst those who will be the pillars of the church. I told you, this is, this is not a who's going to be the greatest. 
And when you find out that someone wants to be, not just wants to be greater and, and is struggling with their flesh, but they're actually pursuing that position, it causes conflict. It causes division amongst the body. When somebody decides that they're going to be the person to tell you what to do. This is not to deny the subject of authority or the subject of submission. We hit on that a little bit this morning. But whenever we pursue those things for the sake of, of authority and submission itself, oh, we're going to have real problems. So Jesus called them to himself. Okay, boys, we've got to talk about this. Because they're starting to fight amongst themselves. You think you're so special? Well, let me tell you why I'm special. Back and forth, back and forth. Some of, some of you have experienced this in your own workplace. Some of us have experienced this in the church. We ought not, but we do. Jesus says, I want you to listen to me, and I want you to listen real good. And I think he would say the very same thing to us. I want you to listen to me, and I want you to listen real good. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Can I tell you that the more authority that you have, the more you should think and dwell on these words. If you feel like you have any authority at all, whether it be in your home, whether it be in the church, I want you to think and I want you to dwell upon what he's saying right here. We know how the world does it. Obviously, you guys are a pretty good representation of that as you quarrel amongst yourself about who's going to be the greatest. They lord it over them. You're going to do what I say to do because I'm the boss. Because I'm the one in authority. I'm the one that, that tells people what to do. There is a time and a place where we have to say that's the way that it's going to be. But may we never appeal to our own nature for those things? I can tell you as a preacher, uh, sometimes I, I get real personal. I hope so. If I don't, then, then let me know. We'll back up and we'll re-examine this. I, I, I try to. I try to get personal about myself. And in doing so, I want to get personal in your life. But I don't have any right to tell you what to do with your life. Except as I speak through the Word of God. Is that right? I think lots of things about lots of things. And if you want to know, come and ask me. I will share them with you. Okay? But there are certain things... What do, what do I have a right to tell people? What do I have a right to insist on what you do or do not do? I don't. God does. God does. God's Word does. So the authority that I have over, over other people, if it's not acknowledged by other people, it, it's, it's, we found it intrinsic from the Word of God. Don't be like the Gentiles. Well, I'm the preacher here. Do you think people ever say that? Do you? They do. Let me just tell you. Do you think people ever say that without saying that? Well, I'm an elder. Well, I'm a deacon. I'm a, you, you fill in the blank. I'm, I'm an apostle. That's, that's their context, right? Once again, submission is, is a whole other topic. We should be in submission. I, I get that. But this is about the attitude of the one who is going to lead. 
The attitude of the one who's going to have authority. Don't lead like a Gentile. You know how they do that, exercising authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. It's not supposed to be that way in the church. We're supposed to lead in an entirely different way. And when you sit there and say, you know what, I think I'd like to be the one, the one to call the shots. I think I'd like to be the one that, that, that imposes my will upon other people. Not supposed to be that way in the church. It shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you. Remember? Whosoever desires to be a bishop, desireth a good thing, holy ambition, let him be your servant. It is not about telling other people what to do. It is about serving other people. It is about doing some of the things that nobody else wants to do. It's about doing the, the dirty work. Remember the man who's saying this is the most powerful man that the world has ever seen. And you know what he's about to do? He's about to go and die on the cross. You want to know what it means to be a leader? You want to know what it means to have all authority given unto you? Right? I mean, that's what Jesus said, right? All authority has been given to him. Not just the, I got some authority, some of you have some, but all authority given by the Father. What does that mean? You're the one that gets to die. That's Christ. That's a game changer. That changes your home. Right? So Jonathan is the, has authority in his home. He's a leader. He's the, the, head of his, the head of his house. What does that mean? Does that mean that he stands up on the table and says, I'm the head of this house. You better recognize, woman. I think no. That's not what it means. Right? It's a joke. That's not what it means. I only said that because I've seen people do that, guys. Right? It's not what it means. It may mean that you have some, some decisions that have to be made, but far often it means you have the responsibility to care for your family, to lead your family, to do the things that nobody else wants to do. Jesus dies. That, that's the parallel that Paul gives there in Ephesians 5, right? You want to be the leader? It means you become the sacrifice. You want the authority? Listen, the authority is not just about calling shots. The authority is about being the one who sacrifices. That's what he wanted them to get. If you get it, it'll change your life. It'll, cha it'll, change, it'll change your home. It'll change your, it'll change your congregation. Will it not? Will it not? It will change your congregation. It will change every relationship that you ever have authority in. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. So when I begin to think, I think I'd like to be the one in charge. Okay, go out there and find something to do for other people. That's what he says. If you have that holy ambition, go out there and say, how, how can I serve these people? Don't sit back and say, how can these people serve me? That's the Gentile way. How can these people acknowledge me? Okay, honor where honor is due. I get it. That's the other side. But I'm talking about what's going on up here. You look for a place to serve. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he wanted his disciples to get. To run the risk of being, of being the twelve. To run the risk of being those that think, you know, there's something special about them. 
Isn't, I mean, isn't the entire idea of Catholicism built on this idea that, that one of these men was extra special above all other bishops? Yeah, it is. They would say he was the first pope, and he just gets to speak, and whatever he says, that's the word of God. Come on. That's not in the Bible. But I'm telling you, that's where these things come from. Do we not see that in our, so much of our religious world where we have this pastoral system where, where people are, are, you know, there's a, a one-man show and whatever he says goes? Yeah, it's because we're not understanding this. This is tough. And the more authority that you have wherever, the more challenging these words ought to be to you. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. They didn't even know what He was saying. But I can't help but think that as they, as they went out from this place, these words had to have penetrated in their minds. When it clicks What's the difference in Peter? I mean, the difference in that man, and the difference in that man who was so bold and, and, and over, overspoke and, and, and made commitments that, you know, wrote checks his body couldn't cash. And, and then we see him as this pillar of the first century church. What changed? I think when they saw Jesus on the cross... And they begin to put all the pieces. This is what he was talking about. It's not about me. It's not about people acknowledging my greatness or my authority. It's about me being a servant to other people. There in Ephesians 4, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. I, I don't always understand that. I don't understand why God has given certain people certain gifts or put certain people in certain positions. I don't know. I've seen people be very frustrated by that. But, but to acknowledge, there are some people who have been blessed in very specific ways. Why has He done that? Verse 12, For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. It's about building up the church. Jesus is about to be gone. He's, he's not going to be there to, to look over them and you know, make sure every moment of the day that they do what was right. But if they get this, if they get this, He won't have to be sitting there holding their hand because He's shown them something, a pattern and an example. Not just to them, but to us. The future of the church depends on us understanding this, being challenged by this, and living this out every day of our life. Friends, Jesus comes and says, I'm here to die, and I'm here to die for you. I want to challenge you to make that statement. Find someone to put it in your own words. Make that statement, I'm here to die, and I'm here to die for you. That's at the heart of Christianity. And if you've been about yourself, you need to repent of that. You need to pray for God to give you strength and wisdom and maturity in those things. It's about us coming and saying, I just want to be what you want me to be. 
If that means that you come to be baptized tonight, if that means you come to repent of sin, if that means that you come to humble yourself by confessing your burdens and casting them upon Him, that's not easy to do. You do that tonight because there's one who has real authority and we need to flock to Him. You come tonight as we stand and as we sing.